Hey, everybody, how you doing? Woo! My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of Fun and Games for the evening. Let's get another victory woo for Sam Harrison. First win of uh, Jamie Drysdale's career in Philadelphia. Woo! That's right. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of Fun and Games for the evening. This is the PHLY Flyers postgame brought to you by Mortgage CS. More on them in just a minute. But I got to tell you, this was a... Uh, this was a nice win for the Flyers. Shootout victory. They dominated most of this game. The third period was a little more even. Uh, but really, I can remember a couple of shifts uh, throughout the entire game that Montreal really won. There was, a, I believe, in the second period when Owen Tippett without, was without a stick, where they kind of hemmed the Flyers in for a bit. And then the beginning of the third, uh, they put on some pressure. They seemed to come out of the locker room like, hey, we just played bad for 40 minutes and we can win this game. They had a chance to, but for the most part, I would say the Flyers won 50 out of 65 minutes of this game at the very least they dominated overtime uh but the story obviously to start we have to go with Jamie Drysdale uh coming over recording an assist in his first game really looked like he could have had a second uh that uh, the first the uh, the assist on the Morgan Frost power play goal was uh, I won't say basic because he created a lot of the space himself by dragging the puck back, moving a little, getting uh, creating a little space for Morgan Frost, and Morgan Frost puts it through. But in overtime, that lead pass to Frost, Frost goes five-hole, Caden Primo just squeezes it. That was absolutely awesome, and I thought Drysdale was everywhere tonight uh he is a noticeable player incredible skater there was a shift i want to say in the first period where he made a hit along the left side near the boards of the offensive zone around the blue line and then somehow he's like the next guy to touch the puck on the like opposite side near the defensive blue line on the right this dude can freaking move uh i'm really liking what i'm seeing i still think this defense needs a uh, a legitimate badass in the top four but what we have right now with uh I mean, the 69 line with <laughs> with Sanheim and Drysdale, that's pretty damn good. You bump York down the second pair, and, you know, if you're paying attention at all to what the London Knights did, Oliver Bonk, I didn't see what his final line was. I was a little busy with the end of that Flyers game, but first 40 minutes, two goals, two assists, the dude has been awesome. So this defense is damn good. Uh, but, listen, I know a lot of people want to talk about Cutter Gauthier, and we're going to do that. Uh, of course, we're not going to call him Cutter anymore because why would I you know, call him by his middle name, his nickname? He's not here anymore. I don't have to abide by his rules. His name is William. We're going to call him Billy Goat. Uh, but for <laughs> Gauthier, go, his name's Billy Goat. That's why he goes by Cutter because he doesn't want to be called Billy Goat. That is clearly obvious now. Uh, I, I, don't, I guess I knew his name was William, but I totally forgot. Uh, but, you know, we don't get to do the diamond cutter thing anymore. That's a shame. But you know what? Uh, we're going to have a show tomorrow live in studio. Charlie will be here. Kelly Henkel from Broad Street Hockey will be here. And I am sure it will be 65 minutes of Gauthier, Drysdale, the entire situation. So I'm just going to just going to do something off the top here. Uh, forgive me for reading. I can't memorize shit. I can't just talk. I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not Nick Costos. I'm not Scott Van Pelt. I can't just do this off the top of my head, and I definitely can't memorize lines. But I just have wanted to say about Cutter Gauthier, Philadelphia is a hard city to play in. It is harder than most. We are passionate. 
and irrational and absolutely batshit. Uh, we love our teams. They're part of our holidays. They're part of our families. Is this the healthiest way to consume professional sports? Ah, who's to say? I'm not a doctor. Uh, but while that can make it very difficult, it also makes it special. Because you have to be special to make it here. You have to want it. You have to crave the limelight and the attention. You have to love playing your ass off. And if you do, you will be a legend. If you embrace this absolutely ridiculous place, you have a home forever. I wouldn't want any I wouldn't want it any other way. I love the way we are because succeeding here just means more. Anybody who doesn't want to be here doesn't have it. And that means it wouldn't have worked anyway. No matter how great somebody turned out somewhere else, if they couldn't understand why they should want to be here, then we're better off without them. They wouldn't have been able to do it here. Cutter Gauthier didn't want to be here. All of this said, I don't wish will, I don't wish ill on him personally. He's a couple weeks away from turning 20 years old. Uh, I perceive his actions, not even his decision, but his ghosting the organization and everything that's come out. I perceive it as immature. And teenagers are, of course, inherently immature. I'm 35 and immature. So, like, you know, I hope Cutter makes a ton of money, but also never lives up to his contract and never wins a cup. I hope he's the NHL's next Iron Man. And that becomes a double title. Never misses a game, never plays beyond game 82. I hope he ends up playing in the Eastern Conference one day so he can be a great villain here. And I also hope we recognize the guys who do want to be here as much as the guy who doesn't. Travis Sanheim and Sean Couturier signed long-term contracts to be here. John Tortorella's stated goal is to return the Flyers to their rightful place as a premier organization. Oliver Bonk, Alexei Kolosov, Carson Bjarnson, they've all signed ELCs already. Keith Jones could have been anything in the national media, but he stayed here to fix the team we love. Travis Konechny is a fucking flyer. Scott Lawton is a fucking flyer. This part of the rebuild is, a, is about finding out who wants to be here, who can hack it, and who can't. On Monday, the fans found out Cutter Gautier can't. Didn't even want to try, and that's a shame. But it's better to find out now that he couldn't do it rather than, like, after he signs a long-term deal and then shrinks. So thanks, Cutter. Good luck and good riddance. All right, that was my, uh, that's the end of my prepared remarks. If we'll take any questions now, it's... Listen, uh, I got to tell you real quick about our friends over at Mortgage CS. Uh, I'm just, every time I talk about this company, we get great feedback from people who then go and actually call or text Ben Stucker. You can see his uh, number right there on the, uh, on the screen. If you're listening on pod, CEO Ben Stucker, 267-391-7425. They are looking to build the community the way we have here at PHLY and the way Charlie and I and Steph and Kelly and I tried to do with Broad Street Hockey. They want to be in on this community because they know it's important to embrace this place the way we have, the way we embrace sports. They want to be the team you think of when you think of mortgages, whether you're just getting into the home buying process, whether you're along into it, you're thinking down the line, you might want to own a home. No matter what, you should hit up Mortgage CS. And if you just want to hit them up to talk Philly sports, like, yo, is Sam Harrison the GOAT at shootouts? 
I bet you you'll get an answer because we've been hearing back from people already who have hit up Ben and they're getting answers. So make sure you hit up the people, uh, the fine people at Mortgage CS because CS, it stands for Concierge Service. Anything you want, full service outlet over there. Make sure you call Ben. Make sure you hit up Mortgage CS. You know I'm an idiot. I bought a home. It was really freaking difficult. Uh, thank God my wife's not as dumb as I am because I'd be living under a bridge somewhere. Uh, but if you don't want to go through all that work because it's a shitload, they will help you figure it out where you are in the process, whatever they can do to make it easier for you. They are there for you and they're there for you 24 seven. What else can you ask for? That's our friends at mortgage CS. All right, back to this game tonight. Uh, now I have to scroll past my whole Gautier monologue. I'm like three pages down on Google docs. Uh, Man, that first period was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I still haven't seen any like historical confirmation. If a team has ever only gotten two shots on net in the first period and scored two goals in the first period. Uh, it looked like maybe Montreal got a third there at the end, but it might not have, the puck might not have hit Airson until after the buzzer. So they only credited Montreal with the two shots. Both went in, uh, but Airson, of course, makes up for it in the shootout. I mean, it's not like either of the goals. They're both deflections, some traffic in front, weird stuff. It's not you can really blame Airson for either, but also he's the goalie. It's his job to stop the puck. Uh, but it's just a really, really weird third period and a weird game. Uh, it seemed like the first 35 minutes of this thing kind of cruised. We were just, all right, this, is gonna, this game's going to be like 90 minutes. <laughs> like, this post game's going to start and end before Charlie even like remembers to uh, remembers to tile in. But we'll be hearing from Charlie a little later. But I was just very happy with the, uh, the jump the Flyers came out with tonight. This is one of those games that you just need the two points. If you are serious about making the playoffs if this is an actual obtainable goal for the flyers getting two points against the montreal canadiens at home is paramount uh, there's no other way to put it that is a rebuilding team that is not very good uh you saw that tonight in the fact that i don't think they got 20 shots on goal what was the uh the final shot on goal count here it was 19 they end with 19 shots on goal in a 65 minute game that's uh, almost hard to do but the Flyers, despite dominating, just weren't able to put one in uh, to take the lead in regulation. I think they outshot him seven to one in overtime. Like, that's just silly. Uh, but it all works out in the end because we finally have a team that can win a shootout. Now, they only scored once. Sean Couturier, little variation on his move, comes in on the left side and then looks like he's cutting right. But nope. Shoots short side going back the other way. That was nice little change of a uh, nice little change of pace for Coots. We've basically only seen him do the one move in the shootout. Uh, but I'm just very happy to see them, e even with the win, like playing the way they did tonight. They just looked a lot more like themselves again after that. I don't know what the hell happened in that Pittsburgh game. Maybe Pittsburgh's just been feeling it. Obviously, the Flyers beat them in that, uh, swept them in that home and home a couple of weeks ago. Pittsburgh has been much, much better since then. They scored like right away on that power play. And it seemed like the Flyers just never really got going in that one. And so it was, well, all right. After it looked like you had the bounce back win, I guess it was last Saturday. You come out Monday and kind of just suck. What is this team? Is it going downhill? Are things starting to go poorly again? Or was that just kind of a blip on Monday and the Flyers, the real Flyers, 
are a lot more like what we saw prior to that, I think tonight, at least for now, answers the question. The Flyers are a legitimate playoff contender. I believe that. Uh, will they make it? Uh, Maybe. I, I, can't, I can't tell you right now exactly how this thing's going to go because this team, I mean, listen, if they lose Sean Couturier or something, it, it, like who's going to play center? Yeah, they, obviously, the, the margin for error is, error is slim. The division and conference, basically everyone has the same record. Like you look at, all right, like the Rangers and the, the Bruins, they're really good. Uh, the Habs and the... Uh, Blue Jackets both suck, and everyone else is in the middle. There's just a whole bunch of teams that have the same record outside of, like, those two extreme uh, extremes on the end. So uh, looking forward to the way the rest of the season goes. I think this team is a legitimate playoff contender. Uh, and the trade that they made to acquire Jamie Drysdale – it definitely helps. It definitely, the Flyers, I don't know what Cutter Gauthier he's ultimately going to be just as a player overall. It seems like no matter what, he's going to be able to score. Uh, he's going to be able to score goals. He's going to create offense. Um, that's down the line, though. This Flyers team right now, by acquiring Jamie Drysdale, is considerably better. Uh, they have now seven defensemen that they're pretty comfortable putting out there tonight, and I'm looking forward to talking to Charlie about the uh, about the distribution of ice time with with Mark Stahl sitting once again and seven defensemen dressing. They leave in Zamula, they leave in Sealer, uh, they leave in Risto, and it looks like the Looks like the seven tonight was Igor Zamula with 13.43 time on ice, uh, but not by a ton. Uh, Sealer had 15.42, Walker had 15.54, so they they distributed the ice time pretty evenly. Uh, the leaders, Travis Sandheim, at 22.5, nobody else cracked 20. So this was a let's throw them all out there and see what they can do kind of game, and both offensively and defensively, I don't think you can you can go, okay, well, he's the one who absolutely needs to come out. So I will not be shocked if we see this uh, 11 forward 7D kind of going forward for maybe not the next bunch of games, but uh, say four out of the next five or something like that uh, where they go. And obviously you want to get 12 forwards in there now with Nick Delorier being the 12th guy, he's the odd man out. It's like, wow, do you really need to get 12 in there? And like if Wi-Fi had been in the lineup for uh, for Montreal tonight, you probably would have seen it, but he's down in the AHL right now. Uh, so I guess you don't need that enforcer. Garnett Hathaway, more than capable of taking on most of the middleweights in this league. Uh, so you don't need Delorier. So I'm... I'm not fully against the idea of going 11 forward, 7D going going forward. Now that that will be taxing on the forwards and like I just said a uh an injury to one of the high end guys like Couturier like Konechny suddenly it's like well shit. <laughs> now our forward group is really depleted. They've been they've been playing just with 11 guys for a couple of weeks and now we're down one of our main guys so we have to call somebody up. Hopefully it's Samu Tuomala, AHL All-Star. Shout out Samu. Uh, but I don't hate the idea of just kind of running these guys out there, seven defensemen, and making it an open competition. I assume they'll get back to 12 forward 6D at some point in the near future, but if if they keep this up, man, I, 
I don't really it's it's about dressing your 18 best guys, right? Like if you have seven defensemen who deserve to play and you look at your forward and core and go, ah, does the fighter really need to play? Well, no, he does. Like he's the least necessary of all these dudes. Now I thought this game was going to go a different way tonight. And it was like setting up perfectly for Nick Delorier to never come out. Uh, there's that scrum in front of Montreal's net early where Konechny's on the ground and I can't, I can't remember who it was, uh, but one of the defensemen, I'll, I have the box score right in front of me, but I'm also doing this without a co-host, so I can't like, oh yeah, you oh, Matheson, it was Matheson, uh, who is just like throwing punches, like four or five landed on, uh, on Travis Konechny, no penalty called, but I thought it was setting up for Montreal looking around and going, yeah, they don't have their fighter. Let's take some liberties. And of course, that would mean Nick Delorier is never coming out of the lineup again. But the game was not extraordinarily physical after that. There were only a few power plays in this game. What did the uh, Montreal had one and the Flyers had two? Uh, basically, no penalties called in this thing. So it really didn't go the way I thought it was going to. Kind of lends credence to the... Is there a deterrent factor? Obviously no, but because the players believe there is, we will continue to have to acknowledge the non-existent, uh, the non-existent deterrent factor that is enforcers. But since we've brought up the power play now, is it fixed? Ah, three games in a row with a power play goal. They have dug themselves out of 32nd place, the uh, St. Louis Blues. And this was before the game. If the Blues scored, you know, two power play goals tonight or whatever, they're probably back ahead of the Flyers. Uh, but the Flyers, three games in a row with a power play goal. This one set up by Drysdale tonight. But the top unit still appears to be the one with Igor Zamula on it, which is... An interesting turn of events. Now, probably Drysdale will, will work his way up, or they're looking at it like Drysdale's the best power play guy we have, so let's put him with the second unit, and now we might have two at least competitive power. Like, I don't think they're going to be actually good, but we don't even need them to be good. If they're just average, this team's offense takes a huge jump. They are 25th in the league in scoring coming into tonight. Uh, they didn't do anything to, you know, move up in the rankings. They scored two goals. Uh, and 31st in power play. If this offense improves a tiny bit, just a tiny little bit, they are going to make the playoffs. That is one thing. Like, I don't know if they're going to be able to sustain what they're doing on the power play. I don't know if they're going to be able to keep everyone healthy uh, during this stretch run. But if they do both of those things, this team will make the playoffs. That is one thing I'm willing, uh, I'm willing to say. And so far, so good with this, uh, this power play. It, it looks like some guys finally have a role. And when I see Drysdale set up that... Uh, set up that Morgan Frost power play goal tonight. It's very reminiscent of something I've seen them doing a lot lately where the defenseman creates room, takes the puck away a little bit, makes a little bit of space, and then the far winger 
kind of circles out and gets a little momentum. So when he gets the pass across, he's kind of almost on a rush a little bit. We know this team can score on the rush, and he's got some momentum skating behind his shot moving towards the net, and that's exactly what happened with Frost tonight. It's something I've seen them do a few times recently, uh, and it's working for them. Also, something that's working for them, Owen Tippett, man. <laughs> Owen Tippett is once again uh, on one of his heaters. That's goals in back-to-back games. Andrew, we saw that play at the end of the game, at the end of regulation. Uh, or No, it was right before the shootout, I think. It was uh, at the end of overtime. He is hauling ass down the ice. And we're all just looking around like, how did no one get hurt? <laughs> he was absolutely flying. Flew basically into the net. It looked like uh, it, the dude who can't stop in uh, Mighty Ducks. Was it Mendoza? Luis Mendoza? Like, that's what it looked like it was going to be. But luckily, he did not have to like try to hurdle the net and whatever. Like There was, there was no shenanigans. Everyone was fine. But he was all over the place tonight, and I want to see this level of Owen Tippett consistently. You know, they're, they're going to have a pretty tough decision to make with him uh, regarding can you trade him for a decent return at the deadline? Do you re-sign him? How much do you give a guy like this where it's like, all right, he's got a lot of tools, he can skate, he's physical, he's big, he can score some, but we need him to score more. Like 27 goals is nice. We need 35 out of you though, bud. And uh, like they have tough decisions to make coming up with Owen Tippett, but if we get this level of Tippett, consistently through the you know second half of the season now i believe tonight was game 41 so we're we're halfway there we're halfway through the regular season i'm pretty sure they played some bon jovi at the uh, at the arena tonight too but halfway through this season i need to see a little bit more out of him if i'm like oh yeah we absolutely need to make a long-term commitment to this guy but games like tonight are the reason you think they should games like tonight are oh he has this ability to take over games he has this ability to look so strong and so fast that you can't let a guy with these kinds of tools go and you also have a great example of maybe a next level of development in a guy's prime that we're seeing Travis Konechny go through where it's like, yeah, he's a nice mid-20s goal scorer, but okay, he's a second-tier guy. And then they just start to kind of figure it out a little bit more, add a couple of elements to their game, and now they're a star the way Travis Konechny is. I don't know if I see all of that in Owen Tippett, but the dude absolutely has the tools, and they were all on display tonight. He had one goal. He could have had three. Uh, they showed the uh, they showed the highlights of an old Scott Hartnell hat trick tonight, and it was, man, Tippett easily with all the posts they hit. That's something else I would need to ask Charlie about. How does a team hit like five or six posts? It seems almost impossible. Like I want to know if that was a talking point in the locker room tonight or if John Tortorella brought it up or whatever. Just there was a lot of, oh, you know, that look into the sky, like how didn't that go in? Ton of chances for the Flyers tonight that they were just – you know, an inch or two away from making a play or you know, the goal that they reviewed that they're like, oh, we don't think it was in. I'm pretty sure it wasn't. But the one angle absolutely looked like it was. Uh, it was while the offense, they only scored two goals and they have been really struggling to score lately. They were inches away from blowing this one open a couple of times, whether it's posts, 
uh, just mishandled passes, you know, early in the game. Farabee has that chance with the wide open net. Um, it just a lot of almosts tonight, you know, a lot of those Mike Mamula almosts tonight. But uh, someone else who was all over the place, and it was really, really nice to see Tyson Forster. Um, I think this was the most noticeable he's been in a while in a long while, quite honestly, uh, looked a lot more like the guy who in the beginning of the season, first month or so, it was, yo, this guy can't buy a goal, but he's doing everything he can to like put himself in position. They're just not going in. And then I think his play dipped a little bit after that. But uh, I was really, really happy with what I saw out of Tyson Forster tonight. Again, this is the last game. is game 41. The second half now is... It's vitally important for the uh, for my confidence in a lot of these guys, but I think just for the development of, all right, man, we're, uh, we're halfway through this thing, and now that we're about halfway through the show, we can welcome in Philadelphia's number one hockey beat reporter. It is Charlie O'Connor. Charlie, the first thing I have to ask you tonight, I uh, still don't see him. <laughs> Do we have? Okay. I'm here. Oh, no. All right. <laughs> I can hear him. <laughs> this, is, this is the different than usual where I can. Uh, all right. If we have him, I don't need to see him. Uh, Charlie, I just have to know, how does a team hit that many posts? Uh, real, uh, you know what? Maybe they thought they were in D2 and they were playing Wolf of Dennis Stanson. <laughs> Maybe that's what it was. They thought they were playing a different game. No, look, this is a game where the Flyers probably should have won this game, you know, 5-2. They were so close on so many opportunities, but give them credit. You know, I think it was Sam Erickson and Sean Couturier after the game uh, both noted that this was a game about mental toughness because this is a game where they go down early. They probably didn't deserve to go down early given the, the quality of their play versus the quality of Montreal's play. But guess what? This is what happens in hockey. Sometimes you get the bounces don't go your way. It's a sport played on ice with guys skating around on knives. Like weird shit happens sometimes. And what you have to do as a team is you have to shake off the bad luck and just go out there and keep playing and credit the flyers. They went out there, they kept playing. And finally in the end, they were rewarded in the shootout. I, I, I guess like the shootout is just, uh, we'll talk about it, but we have to, of course, do the giant Jamie Drysdale conversation. Uh, the man records a power play assist in his first game. Uh, with the Philadelphia Flyers, obviously the power play is now elite. It's fixed. We're going to the playoffs. Uh, but I thought he was, maybe it's because I was looking for him, but one of the most noticeable guys on the ice. He was skating. He was a little more physical than, uh, than I expected him to be. The power play assist was nice. The lead pass to set up Morgan Frost in overtime was fucking special. That was something else. What did you think of uh, Drysdale in his first game with the Flyers? Uh, I thought he was really good. I thought he was really impressive, especially given the craziness of the last 48 hours for him. I'll have a story up, a story up on allphly.com in the coming hours about the crazy 48 hours that uh, that Jamie Drysdale had. But suffice to say, he probably didn't get enough sleep. He was running all around, finding out where to live, getting stuff moved over across the country. Like this is a guy who, who two days ago was still processing the fact that I'm in Nashville preparing for a two-week road trip with the Anaheim Ducks, and now I have to find a way to fly to Philadelphia and play a game in two days. To me, 
if he would have just been decent, that would have been impressive enough. Instead, I think he legitimately had a really good game. I thought he was impressive. I thought he showed his skating ability. He obviously gets an assist. I, I wouldn't say he was the best player on the ice, but he was, as you said, consistently noticeable, and he showed why the Flyers were so excited, not just about the player he is now, but I think more importantly, you can see why they're excited about what they can potentially mold him into. You know, give Bradshaw a year of working with this 21-year-old. Maybe they can turn him into a real stud. But what he showed tonight is there's a lot of good stuff to work with with this kid. Charlie, I was interested in to ask you about the uh, the distribution of ice time with the defensemen because, you know, they dressed the seven tonight. Mark Stahl, still the odd man out. Now they have eight defensemen on the active roster. And... It doesn't really look like they uh, they singled anyone out as the seven. Zamula ends up playing the least, but it's not like he played seven minutes like Mark Stahl has been playing when he's the seven. It was pretty evenly uh, distributed ice time. Do you think they're going to keep going with the uh, distributed? Distributed, as you know, a person who speaks English would say. Um, <laughs> I was going to let that go. Yeah, I, I, I just did have to show without you, bud. Sometimes the words aren't right. Uh, anyway, do you think they're going to keep going with the 11 forward 7d for the foreseeable future or at least like a decent amount of the time considering they have seven defensemen really eight that they're comfortable playing and the forward who sits is the heavyweight fighter like do you think this is going to continue a little bit well what i can tell you is that tortorella has made clear that it's a tough situation moving forward because he doesn't feel like any of the six defensemen you know other than driving than uh than uh, James Drysdale, he doesn't feel like any of them deserve to come out of the line. So this is the easy solution in the short term. Just throw him in. And I think Bradshaw, who runs the rotations, did a really good job of making sure that everyone got ice time. Like, we've seen them play with seven defensemen in other games this year, but then it turns out Mark Stahl gets five minutes. Like, it's, he's really the seventh. They did a good job of making sure that everyone got time. You know, everyone, no one was sitting for too long. They did a good job, and, and that was impressive. However, I do think when this is all going to come to a head is when Noah Case is healthy. Because right now, you're good with 11 forwards. You can sit the Laurier. Sure, why not? Maybe they'll give Brink a game off or two here and there. But Noah Case is getting closer to activated and when he comes back then you're going to have to make a decision because it's presumably you're going to want him in there so either you bring him in and you pull somebody else out in addition to the laurier or you go back to 12 forwards and then you have to bring you move a defenseman out and i don't know who that defenseman will be to be honest with you it's not going to be drysdale he's not going to be drysdale i mean he played real well in this game but also they, they want to develop this kid He's, he's clearly going to be a big part of this one way or the other. So he's not sitting. So I don't know, truthfully, who is going to come out of this lineup. It'll be interesting. It'll it'll be interesting, too, if, you know, I know we've talked about the fact that, like, oh, well, you know, trades don't happen until closer to the deadline, and that is generally true. However, when you get to mid-January, this is when trades can actually start occurring, the early trades. Early trades don't happen really in December. Once you get into mid to late January, now we're getting to the point where sometimes, you know, a team can get out in front of the market. And if the Flyers feel like they have a glut of defensemen with Drysdale now in the mix, maybe they look to make a move early, you know, move somebody like Walker or Sealer. We'll see. Just something to keep an eye on. It is. And just like, I, I want to ask about the power play in a second, but I, I think it's kind of been, people are, were excited about Jamie Drysdale and like what he's going to be and what this thing's ultimately going to turn into. But I think it's, like kind of been understated that Danny Briere 
improve the team today. Like, Cutter Gauthier is probably not going to be a superstar when he joins this team for the last game of the season in Anaheim, whatever it is, you know. Like, if he goes to the Frozen Four, he's going to be able to play in one game after the season ends. They got a guy who can join this team now. Like, they, Danny made the team better for the push and also created a situation where if you subtract a Sean Walker – yeah, you have his replacement still. The team won't actually lose anything. I think this was really, really well done by Danny. Now time will tell. Uh, I did a whole monologue on Cutter to open the show. I'm sure me, you, and Kelly are going to talk about him a lot tomorrow, so we don't have to do a ton of it tonight. But I just wanted to get your like your thoughts on Danny improving the team for this year. Well, I mean, I guess functionally that's what happened. I don't think that was the focus of the trade. I think if if the best young defenseman or center that was being offered for Cutter Gauthier happened to be a guy who was still in juniors or a guy still in college or whatever, or still overseas. I don't think they would have passed that up because they desperately want to improve this team. Now, it just so happened that the best guy being offered for Gauthier happened to be a guy who's 21 years old and already kind of a sort of NHL veteran. He's played in over a hundred games. He's got some time in this league. So yeah, that does help the team now. And it's funny. You mentioned Sean Walker because watching, uh, watching Drysdale. And obviously I think there's more to his game. You saw what he can bring at three on three, but just in terms of his mentality, he kind of reminds me of like Sean Walker, but what if Sean Walker was an even better skater and had more offensive skill? Like, it's almost like, okay, well, if they could turn Sean Walker, a good player, and I'm not, I'm not shitting on Sean Walker by any means, but like, there's a reason why Sean Walker wasn't drafted. There's a reason why Sean Walker was a cap dump. Like he is not viewed as a guy with incredible physical tools, but it looked, but like he has aggressive instincts. He likes to kill plays. He likes to get up by those sorts of things are there. I see a lot of the same mentality in Jamie Drysdale, just with better skill and better physical tools. And if they could turn Sean Walker into like one of the best play driving defensemen as a second pair defenseman in Philadelphia this year, which is what he has been so far, like imagine what they can do for a guy with that same mentality who is a better skater and more skilled with the puck. It's exciting. It absolutely is. Something else that is exciting, Charlie, power play goals in three straight games. Obviously, Drysdale comes in, and you're thinking he can improve the power play, but they've been showing some signs of life prior to his arrival. Do you think it is fixed and or improving, or is this kind of just regressing to the mean because nobody has a 10% power play? Uh, sorry, can you say that again? You got disconnected briefly. Oh, uh, just the power play goals in three straight games. Drysdale improves it, but obviously they're starting to show some signs of life prior to that. Is it fixed or at least improving or just like regressing to the mean because nobody has a 10% power play? Well, look, there are, I think there's definitely an element of regression there because, yeah, very few teams have a sub-10% power play. It's like it would be historically awful. They were going to get some goals. That said, I don't think this is just a case of them getting some balance. I think, number one, they're doing a better job of, of having a shooting mentality. They're getting more pucks to the net. They're moving the puck around better. They're getting their, their entries are better. And I also think that, and this is something where Drysdale, I believe, will help, and Zamula has already helped, they're getting better play up top. 
They're getting better play up top from the defenseman. Zamola's done a good job of stabilizing things up top and settling things down. Tortorella's created him a lot for it. And with Drysdale, and this is a really exciting part of Jamie Drysdale, I actually asked uh, Sean Couturier about it, and he agreed that that this is something that Drysdale really seems to have in space, is the lateral movement up top. Look, every NHL player can move laterally, but there aren't that many that can move laterally at an elite level. It looks like Jamie Drysdale can move laterally at an elite level just to be dynamic up there. And I saw some people mention this on Twitter, and I totally agree. Like, the last guy they had that could do that up top was Shane Gosses there. And I'm not saying that Jamie Drysdale is going to be peak Shane Gossett. I do not think he will be. That was a once-in-a-lifetime, you know, lighting-in-a-bottle type thing. However, if he can bring some of that dynamic element up top to the power play, maybe not with the quality of shot that Ghost had, but the skating ability, you know, that does open things up. And, like, the goal that the Frost scored, yeah, it's not an amazing pass by, 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 uh, by Drysdale by any means, but the lateral movement threat, I do think, helps to create more space for Morgan Frost and give him just a little bit more time to pick his spot. And those are the things where I think the, the power plays being helped by. The fact that, you know, Drysdale obviously helped tonight. The has been helping the last few games up top. They're getting better play up top. Does it solve the power play? No. They still don't have a dynamic playmaking weapon. There's only so much a power play can do, even if they have a great guy up top, you know, distributing. They need more playmakers down low. They need guys who, you know, have fully developed into the scores they're going to be, pure goal scores. So it, 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 it's not going to fix the power play. But if you're getting better play from, from the defenseman up top, if your entries are better, if you're shooting more, yeah, you're not going to be a 10% efficiency power play then. Charlie, you know, one of the uh, one of the guys who is – maybe starting to develop into that score he's going to be his Owen Tippett. I thought this was one of those games where you look at him and go, this is the dude I'm comfortable making the long-term commitment to. This is a guy I want to keep after the deadline and sign him up. Uh, if he can play this way in the second half of the season, I'm in. Uh, he was as good as he's been in a while tonight. What would you think of uh, Owen Tippett scoring his, what, 14th of the season? Yeah, I thought he was he was impactful. I thought he was pretty much everywhere. He easily could have scored two or three goals. I think he rang at least one off the post, maybe rang two. Uh, yeah, he was he was dynamic. He had that one play at the uh, I don't remember if it was the end of regulation or at the end of three on three overtime. But you're just like, man, how like you know how they have that NHL edge thing where they they look at like like peak skating speed in miles per hour. Whatever his his speed was on that play, that's probably his fastest skating speed of the year because he was flying up the ice and look there's a subsection of flyers fans it's, it's interesting i don't really understand why but there's a subsection of flyers fans on twitter that seemingly have like soured a little bit on owen tippet there's a lot of talk about like he doesn't have good hockey sense and look i'm not saying that he has elite hockey sense by any means i don't see a guy i don't, I don't see like, I don't know. And the funny thing is he ended up being a really good player on another team. He was pretty good for the Flyers, too. But when, when I think of a guy with bad hockey sense, I immediately come. The guy who comes to mind for me all the time is Braden Shen. I just watched him, and I was like, this is a stupid hockey player. He does so much <laughs> dumb shit, like, with and without the puck, where I'm just like, what in the hell were you thinking? And I rarely have that same feeling watching all this. Like, does he anticipate plays to the degree of, like, a Couturier or a Farabee or anything like that? No, no, he doesn't. I don't think he has terrible hockey sense, and he has such great physical ability. 
such great physical ability that he almost doesn't need great hockey sense to be a 30-goal scorer. I think he has 14 goals now, and we're through 41 games, basically on pace for 30 goals. A couple, a couple extra goals in the second half, suddenly he's a 30-goal scorer. Is this going to be his, his breakout season like people were hoping it was going to be? I know, you know Jim Jackson went on our show before the season started and said he thinks he's going to score 40. I don't think that's this year for Owen Tippett. But honestly, I watch him play, and I do think that year is coming at some point. I think he has the ability, and it's just going to be one of those years where, like, everything comes together for him. In the interim, though, the Flyers have a a dynamic 30-goal scorer quality winger, and I think that's a valuable asset to have. Absolutely. Uh, Someone who I thought really stood out tonight as well, Tyson Forster, uh, most noticeable he's been in a while in my mind. He looked a lot more like the guy – who was all over the place early in the season but just couldn't get one to go in. Uh, Doesn't score tonight, but I thought made an impact in the game, Uh, took a puck to the net on a nice power move. Just uh, what did you think of uh, Tyson Forster? Because, like, I want to see him start to – start to show what Owen Tippett did in the second half last year. Like, now it's, okay, you got a half a season under your belt, kid. Show us something more. You know, I think the big thing for me tonight with Tyson Forster is I thought he looked quicker. He's never going to be a burner. He's never going to be a fast winger. That's just not his game. That's that's his his weakness. It's always been his weakness. He's not an elite skater. He's gotten a lot better, but he's never going to be an elite skater. I thought he looked pretty fast tonight, especially for him. He was just on the puck. He was, he was playing with decisiveness in terms of his routes with and without the puck. He just looked like he was on his game. And you almost wonder, like, this is a guy in his first full NHL season. Maybe he went through a dip in a, for a couple of weeks where his body was just, you know, not at 100%. Not that he was injured, not even that he was hurt, but maybe just that, like, hey, this is his first taste of NHL action. Maybe he's got to, his body got worn down a little bit. Maybe now he's getting that, that juice back. And maybe he's just getting a little bit more energy. He's feeling a little bit better in the mornings, you know, at game time, whatever. And maybe he's got that little extra jump. To me, that's what I saw out of Forrester tonight, just a little bit extra jump. I thought the whole team had a little bit of extra jump tonight. I mean, the way they dominated basically the first 40 minutes of this game um, came out at the end, killed it, dominated overtime, finally won in the shootout, well-deserved. We talked you know, over the weekend. It looked like, okay, they're getting back on track. They look more like themselves. And then Monday they uh, pissed all over themselves against the Penguins. Like they gave up a power play goal, what, 15 seconds in or whatever it was, and then it was like – all right, game's over. Like, they just never really got going. This looked like another bounce-back effort tonight. They beat a team that they should beat. They owned a team that they should own. Do you think Monday was just a blip, or are you still seeing some recurring issues? It's you know it's tough for me to say if Monday's a blip or not because I still haven't fully watched the Monday game. That's that's a... Uh... That, that, that's a goal for tomorrow. What, have you I been busy most, or something? I, I spent most of today basically <laughs> researching the hell out of Jamie Drysdale so I can write a deep dive on him for our diehard members. Hopefully sometime tomorrow I'm doing that piece tonight on his crazy 48 hours. But, yeah, there's been a lot I've been working on. Didn't really have time to sit down and, and rewatch that or really just watch because I was in the building, but it was not my primary focus while that game was going on. So I don't want to speak to the specifics of problems on Monday because I just I truthfully don't think I can speak with any expertise on what went wrong in those games look i just think honestly and you know maybe we got a little ahead of ourselves with regards to the the great run they were on in uh in early december the first half of december in particular i just think the flyers are going to be an inconsistent team 
they're going to have games like Saturday. They're going to have games like tonight where they look great. And then they're going to have some flops. They're going to have some flops like they did against Pittsburgh. They're going to have some flops like they did the road trip, the Disney on ice trip. Like it's just going to happen. I think in the end, they're probably going to come up a little bit short in terms of the playoff race, but I think they're playing well enough that they should likely stay in the mix. I think games like tonight serve as a reminder that they're clearly a step above, and not just a step above, but maybe a couple steps above teams like the Canadians, who by the end of the year will probably be sitting in like the fifth or sixth spot in terms of the draft order, in terms of lottery odds. The Flyers are better than that. And they proved, they showed it tonight, like they just look so much better all around than the Montreal Canadiens. I think they're going to keep playing pretty well, but you're, they're going to have games like Pittsburgh where they're just, they just don't have it. And that's just what happens when you have a young team that isn't quite ready to truly compete, but is at least talented enough and plays hard enough as a unit that they can still play pretty well most of the time. All right, without any further ado, Charlie, it is time for your three stars of the night. Let's lead it off with star number three. All right, I am going to go completely off the wall here, and I'm going to say that star number three is the goalposts for Montreal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, listen, I, I would have, I honestly thought, because, you know, obviously. Primo spent a lot of time in the area, Brian Boucher as well. I've always wanted to interview Brian Boucher and ask him if he played the posts because I feel like that man got more posts than anyone I've ever seen, and his career save percentage should be a lot higher, but those just don't count for shots. I want to know if Caden Primo maybe got a little tutoring over the years from uh, from Keith's old uh, Keith's old teammate, Boosh. Uh, but star number three, the posts. Yeah, the Flyers hit like seven. Uh, <laughs> this easily could have been a hat trick for Owen Tippett tonight. They had a ton of almosts, you know, a goal that – I. I don't think it went in, but I honestly can't see the puck, so I don't know. Like A bunch of weird stuff, but the Flyers ultimately win, but it's all right. But yeah, the goalposts, I'll give you that one. That's pretty good stuff there, Charlie. How about star number two? Star number two, I'll, I'll do Jamie Drysdale. Um, and not just because, like, I think he had a good game. I don't think he was incredible. I think he was good. But to me, I put him as a th- as a, one of the three stars because of just the craziness of these last 48 hours. The fact that, like, I'm grading him a little bit on a curve because he's getting used to a new team. He's getting used to a new system. He's getting used to new teammates, a new coach, a, an entirely new city, a new area. And he went out there and, frankly, lived up to the hopes of fans. Look. And I'm going to talk about this probably a lot tomorrow. Um, the fact that Drysdale is entering a situation where everyone wants to root for him because rooting for him simultaneously is rooting for him and also rooting against Cutter Gautier. Yeah. So he has like double the support behind him because every good thing that Drysdale does is very much like a fuck you to Cutter Gautier on the part of Flyers fans. But he, but the thing is, Drysdale still had to go out there and live up to that hope. Like if he would have went out there and been a minus three, suddenly the conversation turns to, oh God, we lost Cutter Gauthier. We got this bum back. And instead, Drysdale goes out there. He plays really well. And now the fans are even more excited about this kid. Look, I'm sure he's going to have rough games. He's a 21-year-old defenseman. He's going to be getting probably 20 minutes a night for the rest of the season as they figure out what they have in him and what they need to adjust. But on this night, when 
He had the crowd behind him. The crowd was looking for reasons to get excited about him. He gave them reasons to get excited about him. And for that reason, I'm naming him my second star. Uh, he got the assist on the power play goal. He set Frost up with a great opportunity in the three-on-three. Three. But I think it was the third period. He's the trailer coming in and gets a clean shot off of the net, and it just gets blocked by a diving Canadian. And my thought was like, God damn, we were this close to having the roof blow off of this building if he scores the go-ahead goal. But it was not to be. Uh, what is to be, though, Charlie O'Connor's star, number one. Yeah, I think the number one star was Tippett. Uh, he gets the goal, but it wasn't just the goal. I thought he was everywhere in this game. Uh, you know, he, he leads the team in shot attempts, leads the team in scoring chances. Like he had nine shot attempts, if I remember correctly, um, two high danger chances. He was just everywhere. He was. It was the kind of game, and you know, maybe he didn't take it over in the sense that he scores, you know, two goals and two assists and single-handedly wins you the game. But this is what I've been talking about with somebody like him, where you know, if he's on your second line or your third line. I like having high variance players in a depth role because on a night like this, when maybe some of the bigger guns aren't firing on all, all cylinders, Owen Tippett has the ability to, you know, for, for three games out of 10 to step up and play like an elite player. He's not an elite player because he doesn't do it 10 out of 10, but he can play. Like, he has the ability to play like an elite player sometimes. And on those nights, he can be one of the best players on the ice on either side. And I thought tonight he was one of the best players on the ice, if not the best player on the ice on either side. And that's why he's my number one star. I have no qualms with any of your stars of the game. I would just like to say, though, Samuel Erson, once again, three for three in the shootout, and he sure. stopped Caulfield and Suzuki. That's uh, pretty good, Charlie. Pretty good. It's not Hey, he's only allowed two goals in the shootout thus far this year. One to TJ Oshie, who's basically a cheat code, and then one to Johnny Goudreau, who's a wizard with the puck. That's not too bad. It's it's fucking elite, man. This kid, I, I knew this. It's I don't know what's crazier, how good he is at the shootout or his games keep going to shootout. I think both of these things are just wild anomalies that keep happening. But with like five minutes left in the third, I was like, there's not a doubt in my mind this is going to a shootout. And it did. All right, Charlie, uh, anything happened in any of the pressers worth noting or we're just going to talk tomorrow? Oh, boy, was there something that happened in the presser worth noting? Um, we have our first John Tortorella blow up on a media member in Philadelphia. Oh, we what, sure do. And what it wasn't was it, me. Is it <laughs> worth, do I have to see the video? Can you recount it a little bit? I mean, you will certainly see the video, okay. I'm sure, over the next few days. Essentially, John Tortorella was not at all happy with the uh, the report by Anthony Sanfilippo that Kevin Hayes was a major contributor to Cutter Gauthier's decision not to sign with the Flyers. And in the middle of the press conference, he stopped a question and said, is the person who made that report here? And then basically ripped him for it. And it was, uh, it was a thing. It's, it's going to be a thing. Interesting. Um, man, that's... Uh, we'll talk about this all tomorrow. Uh, I'm 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 certain of it that this is what our show is going to be about tomorrow, about Billy Goat and Jamie Drysdale and everything that's happened over the last couple of days. But that'll do it for you tonight, Charlie. Uh, get, get get that article written. I don't think you've been doing enough enough the last couple of days. So go home, get to work. Can't wait. Can't wait. I'll <laughs> Bart Scott this. Can't wait. No, I'm uh, looking forward to all our right. to our show tomorrow. Be good to be back in the studio with you guys. All right, and that is Philadelphia's number one hockey beat reporter, Charlie O'Connor.
coming to us live from the Wells Fargo Center. He will be uh, in studio with me and Kelly Hinkle tomorrow at, uh, I'm pretty sure our show's at 3, not 3.30. Uh, I want to say 3. Pretty sure. Uh, anyway, that was uh, that was Charlie's little hit there, and it was brought to you. I, not really, but I, I got to get this in, so I'm going to say it was. It was brought to you by our friends at FOCO, baby. FOCO is the absolute best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. Whether you're looking for team apparel for the season ahead, they've got overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, or anything you need for game day. And if you're in the uh, maybe market for some accessories, toys, or collectibles for your man cave, she shed, or podcast set, you've got to use FOCO for that as well. I have a new favorite item uh, i put out on twitter the other day i'm just looking for a new flyers hat like i just nhl hats like cool ones are really hard to come by if you've watched this show at all i own a lot of hats very few of them are flyers hats i like shit like this that's a little different it's a phillies hat it's orange and black i like stuff that's a little different it's impossible to find hockey stuff like that not finding exactly what i was looking for put out on twitter does anyone have any ideas where to get some cool stuff? A Flyers straw hat. A big, like, beach straw hat. Flyers. I might might have to pick that up in the next couple of days. Uh, but anything, uh, FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. You can get the best gear around by using the link in the description of the show. And for all non-presale items, use promo code PHLY10. That's P phly one zero for 10% off at FOCO straw hats. I think they're going to make a big comeback this summer. Uh, going to be wearing, I'll, I'll be wearing one in sea aisle. If you want to, oh, I wonder where bill hangs out on, in sea aisle. Look for the dude in the big goofy flyer straw hat, I think is what to do. And you can get those with our friends at FOCO. Uh, while we're at it, let me tell you about game time as well as I just exited out of the, uh, my reads, I've lost game time. God damn it, what did I do? All right, buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Game time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guarantee. Guaranteed. Flyers going away for a little bit. Think they have a three-game road trip after tonight, uh, but then they'll be back. I think they have three or four in a ho at home in a row. After that, you want to you want to see them live. Maybe you want to catch Jamie Drysdale. Do it with game time for me, and use that promo code so they like so I look good. You know that's what it's all about. Uh, I, the one thing I didn't ask Charlie about because I uh, I got a lot here. Uh, I'm trying. I don't remember to ask him everything. The lucky thing about a daily show is I'll ask him tomorrow. Uh, but he did tweet that there was a, uh, a brief fuck you cutter chant in the, uh, in the upper bowl tonight, following Drysdale, getting that, uh, getting that assist on the Morgan Frost power play goal. So looks like Philly won't be letting this thing go anytime soon. Like I said, in my opening rant, uh, Eventually, I think we should focus on the guys who do want to be here. But 
we love a villain in this town. We love somebody. I mean, a Scott Rowland, a J.D. Drew. I mean, we booed Stephen Drew. We booed his brother because he didn't want to play here. It's going to be tough for old Billy Goat, uh, but I'm, I'm very much looking forward to seeing how this plays out. Um, something you should be looking forward to, though, is the... It's the arrival of Matvey Mishkov, and it has happened, folks. We have been begging for it. We have been knocking down the door with our merch people, and they honestly knocked this one out of the park, both with the design and the timing. New Mad Russian gear. That's right, phlylocker.com. You can check out our newest Flyers apparel. We have Matvey Mishkov T-shirts and hoodies. I just picked up the hoodie the other day. You'd uh, be like, oh, Bill, you work there. They probably know I bought one. That's how cool I think these are. Uh, I am in love with them. We have a bunch of uh, new releases as well. I highly, highly recommend, if you're a hat guy like me, the uh, the flat brim PHLY hat. And the one in the middle up top there, the, uh, the really, really solid quality, quite honestly. Uh, I'm a big fan of that one. The golf hat, I did not snag. But I think it might be next on my purchase list. But a lot of new cool stuff at PHLY Locker. So make sure you check that out. Uh, And guess what? If you're a diehard, you get 20% off all merch. So, like, why not? Why not take advantage of one of those advantages to being a a diehard member? Of course, you get the free shirt when you sign up. And you get 20% off everything in the locker. So, uh, plus... Charlie's articles, man, all of it, the diehard exclusive stuff. There ain't no reason not to be a diehard. And there is no reason not to be at the Wicked Wolf on Monday for the Eagles playoff game. I am just putting Andrew through it right now. I'm just like knocking out everything. The last 20 minutes of this show are simply an infomercial. Thanks to everyone who's been hanging out. Uh, But yeah, the Wicked Wolf is a really, really cool bar. I've been there a couple times for different Eagles-themed events. It's a lot of fun. Eagles have the playoff game against Tampa Bay on Monday, January 15th. That's this coming Monday. A watch party going on with all of your favorite Eagles writers and contributors here at PHLY, and hopefully all of you as well. All right, uh, I think I'm done. I think I successfully uh, ran through everything I was supposed to there. The Charlie hits in the middle make it complicated because I don't want to interrupt him and be like, okay, time for a read. But then it's like there's five minutes left in the show. And I have nine things to do. It's it's a balance, folks. It's a little easier with JP is here, and I can just hand it to him and be like, all right, he's done. Time to do something. But we make do around here. You all love it when I'm solo anyway because I just ramble about nonsense. All right, that'll do it for me. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. You know what to do. Follow us everywhere, Twitter, podcast, YouTube, et cetera. I'm not doing any more promotions. I just did 12 minutes of them. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. My name is Bill Matz. I'll be back live tomorrow at 3 with Kelly and Charlie Tune in for the Cutter Gautier Jamie Drysdale Hour. Until then, go Flyers. Whoa, 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 whoa.